Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and investment advisor with over 20 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider, also have an MBA in finance, and have been helping corporations and individuals for over 20 years with planning. And I'm Gordon Leppard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. How are you guys today? Good. Welcome back. All right. It's good to be back. And we are excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. And you can also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a, a link in the top right-hand corner. You can also get us on the dial at 1230 a.m. And we also have a link to the podcast page where we have stored up all the previous shows. We have them uh, sorted by topic and so forth. So you can go back and catch a show from two months ago, three months ago, or maybe it's a topic base that you're interested in as well. Exactly. No excuse for not listening to the Money Doctors. We're we're right there on the podcast, so you can go all the way back and listen to all our shows. And also, do send us your questions. We would love to hear from you. You can send us a link, uh, a question via email through our website, moneymd.net, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, guys, I think we have an interesting show lined up here for the day. Um, you know, a lot to, lot going on in the stock markets. Um, really? I have seen of, that. Yeah, yeah, if you pay attention, you know, John. <laughs> okay. Uh, but now is a good time not to pay attention, actually. <laughs> That's so, right. But we're going to talk about um, one of the things is the, the five things to do in a market correction. Because um, we are in one of those, guys, and, you know, uh, people tend to want to want to fix it. Right. There's lots of things people try to do, yeah. but they do the wrong things. So right. we got the five right. things you should do in a market crash. Absolutely. And one of those is not buying a lottery ticket for a retirement plan. Good right? point. Yeah. The lottery is not a good retirement plan. It so. was for three people. It was for three people. Yeah, but, <laughs> but more times than not. More times than not, definitely. So, um, man, I tell you, that was kind of lottery mania, $1.5 billion. So we're going to talk about what is a good way to do you know, retirement plan, and also some pretty interesting stats about, you know, how unlikely it is to win the lottery. Yeah, those are some pretty good stats that you got in there. Pretty funny. And then we're going to be talking to our savvy seniors out there and uh, taking a look at paying income taxes on Social Security. You know, what what kind of cut is Uncle Sam expecting back if you uh, cross a certain threshold? Mm -hmm. So that'll that'll be interesting, too. It's a good topic. We get that question a lot from uh, retirees. And, but we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the um, Salt Hedge Fund Conference. And um, at a uh, conference last year in, in May, uh, T. Boone Pickens, who is um, well-renowned, obviously, in the um, in the oil industry. The oil guru, yeah. He's been doing that for a long, long time and very well-respected. Um, he predicted the price of barrel of oil, uh, which at that time was trading close to $60, would rise to $70 by the end of the year. He basically said the demand is very, very good um, this year for oil and that the supply is going to get tight 
due to the number of rigs that have shuttered their production. And, and as all, as we all know, at the end of the year, it was $37, and now it's down to below 30 Ouch. And just so, a little bit off. Just right? a, uh, just, just just a, a scooch. <laughs> yeah, so it goes back to showing as smart as he is, and he's a billionaire, so he's obviously done very well. He can't predict things. Nobody can predict the market or segments or stocks or things like that. I don't care how much information you have. It's not possible. And the shocking thing is, I mean, you know, this was only – you know, six months before the end of the year, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's oil. He was just trying to predict oil, and it's his it's his area. I mean, he was the guru of oil, and yet he couldn't even. I mean, he got it, you know, like a hundred percent wrong. So I wonder how many people on this headline went out and bought oil stocks or futures or That's futures. It. I mean, I bet you yeah. people made decisions based on this report and his knowledge, and they went out and they've they've lost 50% of their money. Well, there's so many external factors. Oh, no doubt. That, you know, we just can't predict. You know, the crystal ball just doesn't show us that. No, and it does not. Obviously, I think it was more of a hope than a prediction. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, so. And that's, and that's even more so in the economy. And that was just oil. But, you know, people that are trying to predict the economy and predicting that this, you know, correction is going to turn into a bear market or something worse. Um, or that it's going to recover next week. I mean, you just don't know. It just goes to show you that something as simple as oil that has, you know, maybe five factors that, mm-hmm. that are major factors, the economy has, hundreds. you know, 50 factors. It probably has, yeah. It, yeah, I it, mean, it, there are just dozens and dozens of things yeah. that affect the economy every single day, and uh, there's no way to predict that. It's crazy that people even try. I know. But there are some good ways to take a little better position on that. This is true. Diversification, right, Steve? There are. That's a good lead-in. And that is our first topic here. And that is the five things to do in a market correction. You know, yeah, I mean, if you've been listening to the news recently, I mean, you might think it's time to sell everything and push the panic button. Because that's what the financial media seems to always try to impress on you in the middle of a market correction like this. That's right. I mean, they always fixate on how bad the economy is, how bad the markets are, the geopolitical issues that might be out there. And, of course, the reasons are always different. I mean, but it's but the results are kind of similar, but it's always scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It is always scary. You know, I mean, you see the market down like this and, you know, it always feels like it's it could get a lot worse. Um, this time is no different. I mean, we have China. You know, China's economy is imploding, um, so to speak. I mean, there's still like 4.5% growth. We <laughs> yeah, would love to have that. They've slowed down. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, people say the media says they're imploding. Yeah. The Middle East is exploding in turmoil. But, of course, what's new? That's been going on a while, too. <laughs> Several then, thousand years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. But we do have oil prices plunging, and that has been going on a couple of years now. But, right. <clears throat> you know, boy, it has really plunged recently. Um so, but but wait, aren't oil, low oil prices? That's supposed to be good for the economy. I, it's it? it's helped me out at the the uh, pump. It sure has. It me certainly too. saved a little cash in your pocket. You know, yeah, people sure. are having more money to spend, and the consumer's a big piece of the economy. So it's that's a positive. Little, it's a little shocking. Don't be giving us yeah, positive stuff I mean, here, that's Steve. That's true, but yeah. <laughs> Come on. But we used to think that was a good thing, but now it seems that oil company earnings are a bigger factor than low gas price at the pump for the stock market. Um, But who knows? I mean, regardless of the reasons, you know, now that we're in an official correction, down more than 10%, 
the doomsdayers are coming out of the woodwork. I mean, we hear it every single morning mm-hmm. on the news, yeah. you know, about somebody is predicting this is going to be, you know, the next Armageddon. Yeah, that's right. And so the question is, you know, wh- what should you do in response to this kind of market? I mean, should you be selling what you have left before it's too late? Uh, maybe you should be more conservative. How about changing up your portfolio to something like defensive dividend stocks or maybe preferred stocks? Um you know, question of bailing out of the markets completely, trying to time it before another uh, you know big second down leg that we that we could have in the markets. Um, then there's people that are selling everything, paying off the mortgage. I've had a couple questions this last week about doing that. You know, and you look at yep. the tax bill associated with that. That's that's huge. That's forty percent. Huge. Be brutal. You know, it is. And um, the truth is that history shows us that no one. I repeat, no one knows where the market's going next, and no one can time it consistently. We've seen study after study, data after data, that you can't do this consistently. If that were true, then all these moves are not likely going to help since timing is difficult and expensive if you get it wrong. And that's really, the, the, the I think, the theme here is that you will get it wrong. You will. <laughs> you, know? you will. It, it, and trying it to get that right up. is almost impossible. Yeah. And if you sell like you're talking about there, John, that actually compounds the issue because if you're down – 20% already, and then you get hit with that additional 30 to 40% tax. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, right. It's a huge, huge chunk. Yeah, it is. And then if you sold, you got to pick when to get back in. And so you got two moves you have to predict perfectly. And as we've said many times, I've never seen anybody get out and get back in at a lower price. Mm-hmm. They always wait till it goes back higher than it was before they get back in. That costs you money. So, so the question, though, is what moves should you do in a down market like this? You know, as humans, I mean, we have a strong urge to be proactive in a down market and feel like we're actually doing something to help. You know, we all want to fix it, right? And as guys, we really have that tendency to want to put a wrench on it and fix it, right? That's right. Exactly. I mean, the good news is, though, there are some constructive things you should and can do in this kind of market. So here are five things that investors need to do. And, and as this correction plays out in the stock market, things you can look at right now. So let's have All the right. first one. Yeah, the first one here that we've got is uh, rebalance your accounts. Now, you know, now may be a great time to actually take a step back and um, buy some of those, uh, you know, asset allocations, some of the places that are down in your portfolio. For example, if you have emerging markets in your portfolio, then it's probably down uh, a little more than some of your other markets. If you started off with 8% in emerging markets, it might be down as low as 5% now. So buy an additional 3% uh, and get that back to your original balance, and you know, you're know you actually buying low. You mean buying low is good? Buying low is actually good. Yeah. And we don't know where low is. We don't know how far the markets are going to go. That's exactly but, right. But history shows that if you can, you know, the markets have always recovered. That's you right. know, and if you can buy some things as they're going down when it does come up, then that has turned out historically to be a good strategy. Right. Yeah, and if you have automatic rebalancing in your four hundred one k plan, then you need to you need to put that in place. You know, you need to make it automatic so you don't have to make that decision. So sign up for automatic rebalancing mm-hmm. in your four hundred one k plan. And let it. It's just a disciplined technique to force you to buy a little bit of what's low, sell a little bit of what's high, and keeps you in the right risk level. Research shows that over time that will that. Will 
will yeah. help your return. And we do rebalancing time. quarterly. Exactly. For our clients, so. Exactly. So that's number one is rebalance your portfolio. And when we come out from the break, we'll continue with this discussion. But if you have questions, you can email us at Richard Young at info at moneymd.net or give us a call. Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the five things to do in a market correction. Um, guys, we are, if you haven't noticed, we are in the middle of a correction here mm-hmm. in the markets. And uh, it seems like every day it gets a little more shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, the media is really playing up, isn't it? The media is, the doomsdayers are out. They've crawled out of the woodwork as they do in the middle of every correction we've had. And, you know, we've had something like 123 corrections over the last 115 years. It doesn't happen very often, huh? No, it's Just about really once rare. a year. Yeah, shocking, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I mean, this does happen. That's what markets do, guys. And so you have to have some discipline, and you have to you have to focus on the things that you can focus on, you should focus on during a correction like this. And not pull out the wrench and try to fix it every time, okay? So, but there are five things here that you should be doing in this type of market correction. And, you know, we just talked about the first one, and that was rebalancing your accounts. Um, that is a great technique. Doing it during the middle of a market correction is a great time to do it because you have some things that are probably down a lot, and then you have some things that aren't down so much. Mm-hmm. And so your, your, your portfolio is likely to be out of balance, um, good time to, to sell a little bit of what's high, buy a little bit of what's low in your portfolio, relatively speaking. Yeah, we, we did that back in 2008. We have a process we do every quarter, and I remember it was um, October the 14th of 2008. That month, the markets are down 20%. Scary to buy into that market, but you look at it you know, a couple years later, and you're like, wow, that was, I'm glad we did that. You know, So rebalancing is a great strategy. If you can set that up and do that periodically, it, uh, it can make a difference. It can. It can. And I'll tell you something else that is just as good as rebalancing, in my opinion, that is adding money to your accounts. You're going to put money into a down market? What? That's right. You heard me correctly. Oh, new money? Seriously? I know it, it's inconceivable to some people out there that you would put money in this market. Oh. That you would actually buy something cheap. Exactly. Or at a I mean, discount. Yes, right. Exactly. I mean, if you have the opportunity, and I know everybody doesn't have money sitting out there they can just throw into the market. Um, but, I mean, after all, how often are stocks on sale for 10 or 15% discounts? That's right. Wow. It's, it only happens like once every year or two. Okay? So, statistically, now is a great time to go shopping for investments. And, yes, it may head lower from here. You know, there's no way to time that. However, when we're sitting here three years from now, the odds are greatly in your favor that you're going to think this was a terrific time to buy low. So, you know, stop hoarding all your investment dollars, put them to work in the market at discounted prices. And if you went more conservative in your 401k, you know, plan a year or two ago, then now may be a great time to go back up to a reasonable growth allocation. 
Yeah, the chances of that happening are, are typically low, though. They're very low. I mean, if you've moved to conservative, it's going to be hard to go back into this market. And, but No, I mean, people are, typically don't have the guts to do that. It's hard right? to do that. It is very hard to do that. But it's a good but idea. I, I, it, I believe you. It is. If you've been sitting on the sidelines <laughs> yeah. for a long time, if you're going to go back in and you've been saying to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the right opportunity, yeah. I mean, geez, I mean, <laughs> why not do it at a discount, you know? And, and that's not to say that you should take more risk than you're comfortable with or more risk than your time horizon would support, but take this opportunity to move back into the correct allocation and stock exposure that you should have per your time horizon and risk tolerance. So it's a great time to do that. Next one here on the list is make sure you're diversified. You know, I mean, it seems foolish to have to keep mentioning this, but many investors just simply fail to diversify. Um, They own a a lot of their, maybe their employer stock and their 401k plan, or they're loaded up in one particular sector. Um, So, you know, now is the time you really want to be well diversified so that when markets do recover, you will get your share of that recovery. I mean, how many people were loaded up on technology stocks in 2002 when the market started to recover? I can tell you, I sat down with dozens, if not hundreds of people over the years following 2002 who were just decimated, you know, and they had a portfolio of technology stocks that were just decimated after the tech bubble, and it didn't recover nearly as fast as the overall stock market. In fact, it took over 10 years for the NASDAQ index to hit the 5,000 level again that it reached in March of 2000. In March of 2000. In fact, it's now down below that level again some 16 years later. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Exactly. So, you know, that's what can happen if you're not diversified coming out of a market drop. So make sure you're well diversified in 8 to 10 different asset classes in your 401k, and in all of your investment accounts so you have the best chance to recover when the market does start going back up. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one. Another here on the list is consider something called tax-loss harvesting. And, and yeah, we know it's painful to see your hard-earned investments down 10 or 15% in the correction, but there is a silver lining. Taxes will be lower. I mean, if you have a taxable account that is down, this could be an opportunity to do some tax-loss harvesting, which is basically you're selling something that has not done well to get a um, a break on your taxes. And it's never too early to start thinking about, you know, the taxes for next year and when you when you have to settle up with the government. Of course, we're not suggesting that you sell and stay out of the market, but if you have taxable investments with a higher cost basis than their current value, perhaps you can sell those for a loss and then you would immediately buy, buy back into a similar investment with a new uh, lower basis. And what this does is it allows you to realize that loss for the current tax year and then reset your basis to the new value. And, you know, guys, you can claim up to $3,000 of loss against ordinary income each year, and that's offset by other realized gains. And you can carry forward any remaining loss as long as it – and you can – Use it, you know, in the future, whenever you use it up. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty good deal. It is. I mean, this is something I personally do whenever we go through. Usually, market, I look for a market, uh, a bear market. Bear market, You know, like 20% down. And, you know, that doesn't happen very often, but, you know, every three or four years, we have one of those. And, I mean, it's a pretty beautiful thing when you come times of. When it comes time to file your taxes, knowing that you have that ace in the hole of a tax loss carry forward that you can pull out any time to use against a realized gain or $3,000 of ordinary income. So, you know, I mean, although keep in mind that you can't buy the same investments back within 30 days and realize the loss. That's called the wash sale rule. 
So you can immediately, though, buy back into similar investments like mutual funds in the same asset class without running into any problems. Um, then you can always just sell those after 31 days and buy back your original investments if you choose. Yeah, and a, and a key to winning at that long term is getting back in. Yeah, exactly. that's right. Wouldn't you agree? Because, I mean, if you if you right. harvest those losses and you, you sit on the sidelines, then you know, yeah. you're just kind of like sticking the mud. Yep, right. You know? And so, so when you do that, then you might just kind of want to sit back and take a deep breath. You know, and and review your long-term plan. And that's really the first thing you probably should do in a market correction is take that deep breath and pause, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's probably a good idea to do it at the beginning and throughout the process, you know, periodic – step backs you know it's tempting to tinker with your portfolio during a down market like this but history and research research continues to show us that this is just it shouldn't be your priority to tinker with it you know in fact you should practice the art of patience take that deep breath review your financial plan for the future you know as markets go down it's usually both constructive and encouraging to review where we are in that plan you know sitting down with a professional uh, reviewing things however re- corrections are completely normal uh, Steve like you've alluded to and like you've given us some you know statistics on uh, and they're expected they're just part of the way that you know our markets move so from an expectation when we do planning we include down years in those plans that's a great point I mean, John. There's, there's not yeah. always going to be up markets I mean that's unrealistic exactly. to think so when you do planning plan on a bear market plan on corrections you know plan on flat years. It's not always up, and if you do the planning, then that typically makes your plan, you know, hold, and it can get through these tough times. Good point. Exactly, and as you said, Gordon, I mean, be patient. You know, patience is truly a virtue in markets like these. You know, watching the ups and downs of the markets every day and analyzing every tick is simply not healthy or helpful, for that matter. Um, I mean, at best, it's going to cause you anxiety, and it's going to make you lose some sleep. So at worst, though, it can entice you to make a poor emotional decision. Um, When markets are turbulent like this, you simply need to tune out the financial media. You need to practice some patience. You know, it will work itself out in time. So, you know, take these prudent steps that we mentioned here to check your plan and your portfolio. Then leave it alone and let it work. Now may be a great time to take up a hobby, maybe that doesn't involve reading the financial financial news <laughs> or, or listening uh, to the, the newscast. There, turn the TV off. Yeah, exactly. and certainly we we encourage our clients to, to call us, um, and when they have questions, because we can kind of you know start to rationalize. And a lot of folks out there are selling, um, they're selling gold, they're selling newsletters based on fear. Exactly. We see that quite a bit, and um, you know, it's just it's unfortunate that that's how some people operate. There's some positive things out there that people don't talk about, and um, you got to put this in perspective. And we can certainly help do that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people out there take this opportunity in a market correction to hype up, you know, the the down market, prey on your fears, and try to sell you some newsletter, or sell you gold or silver, or precious metals, or whatever it is they're selling annuities. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. So. You know, tune that stuff out and just keep it in perspective and take these five steps and, uh, you know, just just hang on and be patient. It will will recover. All right. That leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call 706-739-0725. You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back after these messages and GNN News. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are going to lead off our next segment here with the question of the week. Yeah, I had this question this last week, and we get this periodically. We'll meet with folks that have done a great job saving and um, such a good job that they're trying to find alternatives for their cash. And some of these cash balances guys are pretty incredible. I mean, you know, 75, 100, I've seen 150, you know. And so what we usually say is, all right, you got to carve out your emergency fund and leave that to the side and put that, keep that in cash. But then the rest of it, you can do something with some alternatives, um, maybe a balanced portfolio, maybe 40% in equities, 60% in bonds may work. Uh, that's yeah. a possibility. I mean, as we just talked about, you know, stocks are on sale. They are, I aren't mean, they? Geez, I mean, we're down 10, 15% here yeah. in the markets. I mean, what a great time to to go shopping with that money. I yeah. Mean, yeah, I mean, we don't want to go invest in your emergency fund, okay? You need to have three to six months worth of cash, you know, saved up, very liquid, um, where you're not going to have to pull it out, you know, when, you're, when your roof needs repairing or your, yep. your air conditioning breaks. But um, but other than that, you know, I mean, I mean, there's fixed annuities which lock you in for five years. You'll get two percent. Uh, it's just there's not a lot of great alternatives. So you know, a balanced portfolio is reasonable. It is. I wouldn't lock into anything long term in a rising interest rate environment. I mean, rates are are going up. You know, and they have gone up a little bit, and they're probably going to go up in the future when the economy kind of gets out of this little funk that it's in here recently. Mm-hmm. But. You know, I mean, I just would, uh, I think a balanced portfolio that's totally liquid, that you can change, no low mutual funds. Can pull it out at any time. Yeah, that's one good. that's maybe 50% stock, yeah. 50% fixed income, I think is the, the best alternative, but just depends on your individual risk yeah, level. That's okay? right. So it is d- dependent on your, your, your individual uh, personality. Yeah, each situation. Exactly. Okay, well, that leads up to our next topic here, and that is the lottery is no retirement plan. Well, Shazam. What? I mean, <laughs> yes. What? You mean I can't, News you know, headline. That wasn't an investment headline. when I put $1,000 into a lottery tickets last no, week, John? it was not. <laughs> oh, geez. And you know what's amazing is, um, I don't know what the lottery is now, but it's maybe, let's say it's $100 It's $50, million. It's it's 50. Million, yeah. and there's no press about the $50 million, and it's kind of like, you know, if someone won fifty million, that would change their lives as much not not yeah. as much as something a big one, but still, it's like no one gets excited about fifty million as yeah. compared to one point five billion. I know, billion. but still, it's fifty fifty million dollars is still just I yeah. Know, it's, just well, once you once you get over about ten million, I mean, yeah. does it really matter? Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. you kind of pretty much have enough to do what any normal person would do. Absolutely. So, so yeah. yeah, Powerball fever, as you guys know, swept across America last week, and the record jackpot was $1.5 billion. Eventually, it was split by three winners. Um, you know, millions of people lined up for lottery tickets, hoping to realize their dreams of being rich, independent, and carefree. Stood in line for hours and hours yeah. and hours. That's, That's crazy. crazy. I mean, that is- the chance of the uh, you know of this massive wealth was certainly alluring, but to, to many, more alluring than practical steps 
that can be taken in pursuit of personal wealth and retirement security. I mean, the passion for Powerball logic really it defies logic. I mean, it was amazing. You know, it may have been the the commentary uh, on uh, our wishful thinking or the lack of financial literacy in America. I know Dave Ramsey absolutely despises tax the on the poor. He says, "Yeah, that's right." You know? And it's interesting, a Creighton, uh, a Creighton University professor, uh, Brad Klontz, remarked uh, to CNBC, a lot of individuals who are not saving for their retirement are standing in line to buy a Powerball ticket, and it's a lot more seductive than instituting a savings plan. So, you know, the $1.5 billion versus having a secure retirement, which, you know, you can achieve. I mean, the secure retirement is if you take the steps, you can get there. Here are the odds, one in $292 million chance to win the big prize oh so you're telling me i got a chance you had a chance if you had a ticket you had a chance um, but listen to this the, uh, that's the same odds or the odds for someone being killed by a falling vending machine within the next year are one in 112 million how does that even happen how do you get killed by a falling i don't vending know machine? it doesn't happen that's it and then um the odds of a person being struck by both lightning and a meteorite, a meteorite during their lifetime are one in 210 million you have more chance of being struck by lightning and a meteorite than winning the lottery yeah, so I mean, it, so let that sink in for a minute. There you go. So it's pure entertainment, okay? It, is. it I mean, absolutely your is. odds are zero yes. for all practical purposes. Right. Yeah. So that's good. I love those odds. I love the falling vending machine one. I never would have thought of that. You know, you could have <laughs> could have died that way. Um yeah, I mean when the Powerball jackpot reached one point three billion last week before it topped out at one point five, you know, widely circulated internet um memo or something claimed that the jackpot could end poverty stating that every american would get 4.3 million if it was divided up equally among the population and that was passed along as truth rather than the colossal bad math that it was i mean (laughs) hey steve real quick the one that i enjoyed most was the one that followed this and said if you're sharing this uh memo then you're part of the problem because it's (laughs) the math that's involved that you're about to show us yeah exactly (laughs) i mean yeah that would have only been true if it was three if there were 300 americans in poverty (laughs) because uh yeah i mean it wouldn't have been 4.3 million for only i mean 1 billion divided by you know 300 Americans would come to 4.3 billion. So, I mean, since there are roughly 300 million Americans, divvying up the 1.3 billion across the entire population will only give us $4.33. So, that's about wow. enough to buy your favorite latte. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you're saying it gets back to the math. It gets back to it's the math. It's all about so. math. But what if you saved $4.33 a day? You know, that's that's $120 a month. You know, Dave's done those calculations before. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you start when you're young, I mean, it adds up to significant dollars. I think one of the calculations is a million bucks. You know, the disturbing thing about this math is that means that the average American put in $4.33, even more than that, because some of it mm-hmm. goes to the house, right, for the lottery. So that means, you know, if, if people like me didn't play... That means there are people out there probably putting hundreds and oh, thousands yeah. of dollars oh, into this lottery. I'm, I'm sure they are. And that's the sick thing about it. Increases your odds to one in, you know, a hundred million. Eighty million, yeah. yeah right. Something like yeah. that. So it's sad to think that many that oh, much money it's went a, into it's a tax on the poor, that's exactly well, right. there there like you mentioned, John, there is a surefire way to actually uh become wealthy. And it usually it's not a matter of fate or luck. It's usually about planning. You know? We can all take practical steps toward financial freedom and even if we don't end up rich 
I can just about guarantee you, you'll end up in a better position mm-hmm. than you would have had you not taken those intentional steps. Yeah, that's forward. exactly right. So, you know, planning is very important. Uh, it's a very important part of the process. Yeah, and another very simple concept is, you know, spend less than you make. I mean, maybe spend 2% less or 5% or 10%, whatever that number is. It must be calculated from a comparison of your monthly income versus your monthly budget. I mean, that comparison is going to take you, you know, maybe 30 minutes to do it, but it's going to be time very well spent. I mean, size up the money coming in your household per month with the money going out and set a percentage that you want to save every single month. And in effect, you'll be paying yourself, you know, $100 a month, $200 a month, and rather than giving it to the, a creditor, right? And that's a fundamental move of financial independence. It's paying yourself, putting yourself at the top of the list. We're also big believers in giving as well. So giving and saving are the t- top two, and then you have to pay your bills from the rest of it. So that's a very critical one. Another one here is direct these savings into investment accounts, as well as savings accounts. I mean, it's vital to build up savings so that you can have an emergency fund. Um, you know, a good, strong emergency fund amounts to a couple of months' worth of salary. Dave Ramsey recommends three to six months. Another portion of the money can go into retirement savings accounts. Um, preferably, you know, we talked about equities. The market is on sale now. And um, certainly 2016 started out poorly on Wall Street, but um, one bad month is not a historical norm for the market. I mean, it happens. So, um, you know, make sure you're planning, paying yourself, and then you have an emergency fund and investment accounts as well. Exactly. Yeah. The next one here, though, too, is to cut down on bad debts. Um, you know, there are the acceptable debts in life, right? Some people call them good debts. I like to say they're acceptable. No, no, that's hard to say good yeah, debt. Right. Yeah, it is. But, you know, they're the ones that we take on in the pursuit of a, a worthy outcome, such as a home loan or maybe an education loan. Um, but unfortunately, the bad debts outnumber those dramatically. And the average credit card statement will note many of those. I mean, there there are some debts, you know, there are a lot of credit card and, and just poor debts out there that uh, you want to try and whittle down. Yeah, and you'll want to do kind of what we talked about. Um, you know, we've talked about in the past the, the debt snowball, paying the smallest balance first. Some people say, well, why wouldn't you pay the highest interest rate? And Dave Ramsey would say, well, if it was about you know, math, you wouldn't be in debt to begin with. So start with the smallest balance, pay that off, roll that payment to the next one, and the snowball, you know, picks up speed and you'll get out of debt quicker uh, doing it that way. So I think we're, we'll take a, a break here and we'll come back and kind of wrap this up at the, uh, at the end of it. Exactly. If you have questions, though, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call. Their normal business hours are Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Barber, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about 
the lottery is not a retirement plan. Oh, gee, John. I mean, I thought, you know, that $1,000 I put into that yeah. the last couple of weeks was um, yeah, an investment. Yeah, going to pay off, right? Investment in my future. I mean, I'll never statistically get paid back on that. No. Yeah. But didn't you win one of the smaller prizes, like 8 bucks? Uh, <laughs> no, pretty much. You know, no. I didn't. Uh, still, I, still, it just doesn't work out there. I have to know? admit, I have never bought a lottery ticket. It's been tempting just for the entertainment value yeah, to go right, see right. what everybody's talking about. But then I saw the lines, and I'm like, what? Yeah, maybe not. Ain't no way you, I'm going to go for like. You know you have a better chance of being struck both by lightning and a meteorite. That's <laughs> what I heard in your lifetime. Being, I love the falling vending machine. Or, or like, yeah, falling. I wouldn't even have thought of that. You could die from a falling vending yeah, machine. And you who could calculate chance. that? I guess it obviously has happened. Well, it's probably the, the people that handle the vending machines. Maybe, one of them. I don't you know. You think about this. How many users, how many people died, you know, somebody's shaking it, falls over on them. Yeah, I, 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 I don't guess. know. I just I guess. So the chances are it's not a good retirement plan. It's not even a it's not even it's, feasible. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's, so it's so, but virtually so people, no chance. No chance. And so the better better strategy is do some planning, pay yourself monthly, make sure you have an emergency fund, put money in a Roth 401k, things like that and you have a shot at being financially independent. I mean, it, it is entertainment. That's what the the lottery boils down to is, is it's entertainment. Um, you know, another one we, we didn't talk about, just to kind of wrap the uh, topic up, is chat with a financial professional. I mean, sit down with folks like us. There are other people's in the uh, people in the um, industry. You've got uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, Susie Orman, Clark Howard. I mean, they have some great advice. So do some research. Figure out what your saving saving goals are. Put it down on paper. Um, commit to it, and you can make a change. I mean, this is it is difficult, but the first step, as Dave says, is taking the step. And so, Dave has a class called FPU Financial Peace University. It would be great for you to to get involved in. That is a real retirement plan, not buying the uh, lottery ticket. So, sorry to bust everybody's bubble. Wow, I mean, that's a huge disappointment, John. <laughs> I hate that you uh, had to blow my, bust my burble. Yeah, and bust my burst my burble yeah. like that, right? <laughs> His burble. Oh, man, here we go. <laughs> Okay, moving right along here, uh, let's move on to the prescription. Uh, prescription of the week. That's right. Well, uh, one thing that you alluded to in that last article, John, was paying off lowest balances of your debt <clears throat> first. Now, Dave calls this his uh, debt snowball, mm-hmm. and we totally agree with this philosophy because, you know, it's a psychological boost to the process when you do get those small wins. You know things start to add up and help you gain some momentum. Remember, it's more about the behavior than the actual math in this case. Uh, if it was more about the math, then the debt probably wouldn't be a problem. You know, in, in the, the first, first place. place. Yeah, right. You know, so pay off that uh, lowest debt first. Get a little mo- little momentum and keep that snowball moving in the right direction. You're saying do math as well. Uh, a little bit along the way, but, bit of math does, yeah, but the behavior. Helps. Yes. The behavior. Yeah, good point. That's true about investing, too. It's a lot behavioral. It really you know, is. Behavioral management, not necessarily uh, that's very true. all about the math. Um, so, okay, good prescription of the week. That leads up to our last topic here, and that is the savvy seniors. I guess those are the ones that aren't paying in income tax on Social Security benefits because – you know, you're likely to pay some social security, some tax on your social security benefits, but you're going to explain to us how that works, right, Gordon? Yeah, I, th- I think this is a section that Jim Miller writes in USA Today called Savvy Seniors, and he's addressing this uh, issue, taxes on social security. Um, like it or not, it's here, you know, and I'm not talking about the presidential campaign. We can't escape that either, but uh, I'm talking about tax season. And, you know, while we don't give specific tax advice, 
please consult a uh, professional CPA or tax advisor if you do have some specific questions. However, we do often get questions like, will my Social Security get taxed when I retire? Uh, We're going to take a closer look at this question where you can get an uh, idea of how this might affect your particular situation. Now, gentlemen, like uh, I think, Steve, you mentioned earlier, we, we all get this question. Mm-hmm. We've all gotten it several, several, several times. Um, where do we start, Steve? Yeah, I mean, we, we get this question all the time, in fact. I mean, whether or not you're going to be required to pay Social Security, pay tax on your Social Security benefits. You know, people always ask me that, and they say, well, gee, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I already paid tax on that money before it was contributed to Social Security. You know, why would I have to pay tax on it again? Well, it's... It's called the government. We didn't government. say it always made sense. That's right. The government, <laughs> you know, they've decided to tax your Social Security benefits. And it really depends on, uh, it depends on your particular filing status and how much income you have in addition to Social Security that right. determines whether or not you'll pay tax. But they say about 35% of Social Security recipients do have high enough incomes that trigger additional federal tax on their Social Security benefits. That's right. Yeah, and to figure that out, you're, you have to add up your provisional income, which is wages, uh, taxable and non-taxable interest, dividends, pensions. Um, you know, there's a whole list here of things that you have to look at. Um, and quite frankly, this is where a tax professional can uh, obviously be very valuable. So, again, we recommend that you consult with one. But you've got to figure out your income, and most people will know some of those sources, but you'll have to you know use that to calculate it. And that's even... That's even including your Social Security. Half of your Social Security benefits, yeah. That's right. Thrown into that calculation. Exactly. So, you know, if you are going to brave those waters and and try to do the math on your own, you need a copy of the IRS Publication 915, and this is titled Social Security and Equivalent Railroad Retirement Benefits. That's a fun read. Isn't it? Yes. Oh, yes. I love the Social Security It helps you read it right before you go to bed. Absolutely. Boom, you're gone. (laughs) All right. And this, (laughs) this provides details, instructions and worksheets. You can uh, download them at their website, irs.gov, or you can call them and and ask for additional information. So here's some important numbers to keep in mind as you do look at your current situation or if you're doing some financial planning, you know, like we talk about all the time. Let's let's look ahead. If you're doing some financial planning and considering retirement, where do we start? And some of us actually enjoy reading about this stuff, guys. (laughs) You know, it's interesting read here. Yeah, I mean, so here are some of the details here, whether you want to know it or not. If you're single, um, if you have less than $25,000 of provisional income, um, including half your Social Security benefits, then your Social Security will not be subject to any federal tax. But if you make between 25000 and 34000 then up to 50% of your Social Security benefits are going to be taxed. And if you have more than 34000 then up to 85% of your benefits will be taxed. So if you're way out the top of that, 85% yeah. of your benefits will be taxed. And that was if you're single. If you're married, <clears throat> very similar, but the limits are a little bit higher. Um, if your provisional income, including half your Social Security, is less than 32000 you won't have any tax. Now, it's hard to believe 35% of people even fall in that category because mm-hmm. that's a pretty low number. Yeah, it is. $32,000. Um, <clears throat> but that's what they say. Um, but between thirty two and 44000 50% of your benefits will be taxed. And more than 44000 for a married couple, up to 85% of your benefits will be taxed. So... 
you know, most of the folks we deal with, I mean, their income's higher than that. And they'll be paying taxes. They're paying a, a tax on 85% of their Social Security benefits. So, you know, if you're up there, you might as well count on that. That's right. And, and if you're married and file a separate return, you probably will pay taxes on those benefits as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so to limit potential taxes on your benefits, you'll need to be cautious when taking distributions, you know, from your retirement accounts, uh, especially people that hit age 70 and a half. You know, they have these required minimum distributions, but, you know, taking additional distributions, especially if not needed, this can tr- trigger ordinary income tax. Uh, a distribution that significantly raises your gross income can bump that portion of your uh, Social Security benefits that are subject to taxes as well. So it can actually move you into a, probably a different tax bracket. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so how do you file is the question here. If you find that part of your Social Security benefits will be taxable, you'll need to file the, the federal form 1040 or 1040A. You can't use the EZ form you oh. know, for a simplified tax return. So it's going to make your taxes a little more complicated. Um, you also need to know that if you owe taxes, um, you'll need to make quarterly estimated payments to the IRS, or you can choose to have it automatically withheld from your benefits, which is what most yeah, people do. And they're, they're going to get it one way or another. Yes, they will. Yeah, so you want to have it withheld, probably. Um, so you'll need to complete the IRS W-4V four, uh, form, W-4V Voluntary withholding request form, and then file it at the Social Security office. Just go to your local Social Security office, have that filed, and you can have either seven percent, ten percent, fifteen, or twenty-five percent withheld. You know, for most people, we suggest they withhold like fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a reasonable number. Yeah, from the Social Security. Um, and if you uh, decide later that you don't want to have taxes held, then you can file the W4V uh, form again to stop the withholding. Right. And fortunately, from the state standpoint, it's not taxed uh, at, uh, at Georgia or South Carolina, but there are 13 states that there are some taxes. So, again, you got to consult with your professional. That's right. That's right. Make sure you uh, contact your CPA or tax advisor uh, if you have more specific questions. Yep. So there you have it. Um, Social Security benefits are taxable. Well, we're bringing lots of bad news today, and, and uh, your lottery ticket is not a retirement That's plan. That's right. And buy low. But the good thing is, there are lots of things you can do in your in yeah. the middle of a correction. So um, absolutely, yeah, make those take those prudent steps. Okay, well, that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call during regular business hours. Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Ladies and gentlemen. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC.